Amen? I'm glad you're here. So we're going to start a brand new series today that uh, is called Illuminate. And it's really more than a sermon series. It's really a, it's really a vision for our church for this year. I'll tell you where it, it began. As many of you know, I go away once a year and spend uh, you know, you know, several days in prayer, and fasting, and just talking to the Lord about where we're going as a church for that year. And there, I, I went away the first week of December, and as I'm, as I'm studying, as I'm talking to the Lord, there's this one recurring theme that keeps presenting itself over and over and over again. And I was like, okay, Lord, I'm listening. And I think it began um, as I'm, I'm a student of church culture. And I've noticed this trend over the last maybe two years. The truth of the matter is the cancel culture has invaded the church. And here's... What, the dangerous trend that I've noticed, it's where the church has, in many places, not in all places, but in, in many places and in many movements, the church has tried to distance itself from the authority of Scripture. So much so, and I think I mentioned this last week, I was... I don't know what I said to you last week. If you're watching online, I have no idea what I said to you. It was, it was Jesus and hot tea. That's the only reason that... I stumbled across this one particular website from a church. And you guys know I don't get up here and beat up other churches. You know, I, that, another church is not our competition. Our competition is hell. Amen? So, uh, but I, I happened to stumble across this, this website of, of a church and listed their statements of belief. And number one was, we believe in the authority of Scripture. Number three was, we believe that Christianity is a way to God, but not the only way. And I thought, well, you need to go back to number one. And so this, this theme about the authority of Scripture and the part that it plays in the life of the believer began to just... I don't want to be over, overly dramatic, but it was just a wash for several days. That I, I just really sensed that what God would have us do over these next 12 months is to focus our, and, and we do this anyway, but to renew our efforts to lock ourselves in on what the Bible says and the authority of Scripture and its foundation for the life of the believer. Um, so I, I saw this and I don't, this is not the right word, but I saw this matrix, this connectivity between scripture, Christ Jesus as, all right, here, here we go. Sunday school in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God and the word was made flesh. Now who, who was the word? So I began to see this connectivity between God's revealed written word, God's revelation of himself in the person of Jesus Christ as the logos, the living word, and, and, and the life of the believer and what that means to an unredeemed world. I saw this connectivity between the written word, the revealed word of God in, in Christ Jesus, you and I as followers of Christ, and what that means to a lost and dying world. And so I believe our mandate for 2022 is to illuminate, is to let the Word of God shine so brightly on us, not just the written Word, but the revealed Word of God in Christ Jesus shine so brightly on us that it causes our light to shine in the dark world. Does that make sense? So for the next at least three weeks, we're going to show and pay attention on to this scripture, Psalms 119, 105. And the Bible simply says, and you've probably heard this before, your word 
is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. Now, David wrote this. That's the longest chapter in the Bible, by the way, 119. David wrote this. How many of you understand that David didn't have this book in his hand when he wrote that? In fact, most of what David knew as the word was the the law of God, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's what he had. So was David, when David said, God, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light to my path, was, was he talking about God's written word, or was he talking about God's word revealed in, in how many know Jesus didn't begin in, in Matthew, Jesus didn't begin in Bethlehem. Jesus always has. In the beginning was the Word. So was David talking about the, God's written Word, or was David talking about God's revealed Word in the second part of the unity of the, of the Trinity in, in the Son? The answer is yes. That David understood. Now, he, he didn't know him as Jesus, because Jesus was born hundreds of years later. The Spirit of God moved on David. And so what I'm going to tell you is that when I say to you that God's Word will be a lamp unto our feet, a light to our path, I'm not just speaking about God's written Word. We're also talking about God's revealed Word in the man Christ Jesus because here's what you cannot do. You cannot separate Jesus from this book. And there's a lot of people that are trying to do that. And here's what it sounds like on TikTok. (laughs) Jesus is kind and compassionate, but the Bible is homophobic and misogynistic and irrelevant. Doesn't work that way. Because you can't separate the Jesus of the New Testament and the God of the Bible. You cannot separate those two things. In fact, the, the word now that, that we are hearing in a lot of circles is that the New Testament church should unhinge itself from the Old Testament. So if you hold your Bible, you're going to see there's, there's really two. It, it, it's one work, but there's two divisions, obviously, the Old Testament, the New Testament. The Old Testament, and I'm going to borrow from my friends, the Robertsons. I'm going to give you an entire theological survey of what the Bible is in about three sentences. Genesis to Malachi, the Old Testament, says Jesus is coming. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John says Jesus is here. Acts to Revelation, he's coming back, and here's how you get ready for him. So I, I was looking for a way. I was looking for a visual to help us see what this connectivity between the, the written word and the revealed word might look like. And I came across this, this picture. They're going to show you half of it. See those little dashes along the bottom of the screen? Each of those little dashes represents a chapter in the Bible. So the longer dashes are longer chapters. And and so this, this professor wanted to create this visual of what it would look like if he took each chapter and connected it to another chapter that spoke about the same thing. Because here's what the enemy would have you believe about the Bible that you read is that it's disconnected, that it, that it doesn't complete itself, that it's, uh, it con- contradicts itself. And so what this professor decided he wanted to do is let's see if we can chapter to chapter give you a visual representation of the connectivity between each of these individual units of Scripture, and here's what it looked like. So I need you to understand that you don't hold 66 different books. What you hold in your hand is the authority, written, 
inerrant word of God. How could you take, now, now look at that picture very carefully. Look at all the connection. 40 different men and women, 1,500 years across the whole known world at the time. And look at the beautiful tapestry of connection between the beginning to the end. And so over the next several weeks, actually over the next year, we're going to talk about what God's Word as revealed in the Son Jesus, because you can't separate them, might look like. You see, inside the Old Testament, there are some 322 prophecies. In other words, declarations written before Jesus was born about who the Messiah would be. Some theologians and some scholars say there's many more, but there's at least 322. So let's just, for grins and giggles, say there's 300. There's 300. There's 300 messianic prophecies, at least 300, about things like where Jesus would be born, where he would live, who he'd be born to, the time of his birth, Oh, by the way, how many coins would be used at his betrayal? <laughs> the greatest illustration I've ever heard about this, I, I heard when I was a teenager, teenager and I've never forgotten it. And it's, it talked about the mathematical probability of one man at one time fulfilling these prophecies. So l- let's say that I have 10 index cards in my hand and a hat, Okay. And I make a mark on one of them, okay? I make a mark on one of them, put all 10 in a hat, and ask Randy to come up here, blindfold himself, and reach into this hat and pull out on the first try the one card with the mark on it. What are his odds? One in 10, okay. So this group of theologians and mathematicians got together and chose eight of the 300 prophecies that Jesus would fulfill to determine what the mathematical probability would be of one man at one time fulfilling eight of those prophecies. And the mathematical probability of one man at one time fulfilling eight of the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled would be one to 10 with 17 zeros beside it. Now, to put that into some visual perspective, if you had 1 to 10 with 17 zeros beside it, silver dollars, you would have enough silver dollars to cover the entire state of Texas two feet deep. So the odds of Jesus fulfilling eight of the 300 prophecies would be the same as to us blindfolding Randy, marking one of those silver dollars with a red pen, throwing it in the middle of the pile, finding some big, huge celestial spoon to stir the pot two feet deep, the entire state of Texas, and say, Randy, you can walk around as long as you want to, but you get one chance to pull the red coin. That's the same probability as Jesus fulfilling eight of those 300 prophecies. You want to guess how many he fulfilled? Every one of them. Can I tell you that the Jesus of the Bible is the God of of the Bible. And he came to this earth to reveal the God of the Bible and to show us who he was in the written word by the revealed word. You cannot separate Jesus from his word. There we go. So what does that mean to us? That means at life point. We're renewing our commitment. That God's word is our authority. That God's word is our faith and practice. 
We live our lives. We run our church. We teach our, our lessons and we preach our sermons and we sing our songs with the overarching authority of God's word. And, and here's what I need you to hear. As long as Dwayne is the pastor of the church, that's how it's going to be. I put this on Facebook this morning. As soon as we separate the fundamental teachings of Scripture from the Christian life, it's no longer a Christian life. It can be a moral life. It can be a charitable life. It can be a kind and compassionate life. But without biblical authority, we err to call ourselves followers of Christ. Our logo has a little tagline underneath it. It says purpose and passion and people. If you go through growth track, and you ought to if you haven't been, Mike is going to teach you that we find our purpose, we develop our passion, and we love our people. So what is this renewed commitment to illuminate the Word of God in us and through us mean? Today we're going to talk about purpose. You have one, by the way. See, sometimes we think purpose is this lofty, unattainable place or station that I'll get to someday. Or that purpose is what what the super Christians have. And I, if you're under the sound of my voice, I want you to know you have purpose. That before you drew a breath, God called you and ordained your life. The psalmist said that every day of your life was recorded before you ever lived one of them. So I need you to understand that if we believe this to be true, that you have a purpose and plan. That God has a plan to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. And so today we're going to talk about purpose. And here's what I don't want you to, this is not what I I want you to lock yourself in, that that purpose is what I do for a living. Is that part of it? Of course it is. But I'm going to tell you that you're on this planet for something bigger than how you draw a paycheck. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. The best way to walk in your purpose is to offer it to God. The eighth chapter of Romans says, and oh, by the way, this is probably one of the most misquoted and misunderstood passages in all the New Testament. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. You've seen it on Facebook. I've seen it myself. Ah, Somebody be going through a difficult moment, difficult time, difficult season. Well, hang on. God's working it all together because you love God. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that God's working all things together for good for those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. You'll never walk in divine purpose as long as you place your plan for your life above God's plan for your life. Let me see if I can make this practical. Have you ever ever let your own pursuit take precedence over your pursuit of Christ? Okay, let me see if I can make it a little more practical. Have you ever set aside time for God and then used it for something else? Have you ever said, I'm going to do my devotion at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, and at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, you was on Facebook? You, You with me? See, being called according to his purpose means God is the supreme authority in every part of my life. So, Dwayne, are you saying that I should relinquish my plan for my life and surrender it to God? Are you telling me that I should forego all of the things that I want to see happen and with 
with my home and my family and my career and my education and all of those things? Are you telling me that I should set those aside in lieu of what God might want for my life? Absolutely. That's a word. Dwayne, that doesn't make sense. You're right. It doesn't make sense. It really only makes sense if two conditions are met. It really only makes sense if you genuinely believe that God has your best interest at heart. It really only makes sense if you genuinely believe that God wants for you a full, rich, abundant life. That's the first condition. And it really only makes sense if you trust God more than you trust your own understanding. See, why, if, if God has my best interest at heart, and God wants Dwayne to live a, a full, rich, abundant, oh, watch this, eternal life, why would I not want to surrender any crazy plan that I might have in lieu of what he has? See, that's why the key to contentment in life has nothing to do with your career and it has nothing to do with your bank account and it has nothing to do with where you live and what you drive. The key to contentment in life is trust and surrender, period. It can't be that simple, Dwayne. Of course it can. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the most liberating day of my life. I wish I could remember the date. But there, there came, I could take you to the place. Somewhere there's a 1989 Ford Ranger, blue in color. And I was in that Ford Ranger on I-285 at Roswell Road. And I, I literally, I, I'm not going to say it was audible because I probably would have had a wreck, but I, I, I heard God speaking, and he was speaking in my heart, Dwayne, you need to get in or get out. And at that point, I decided this was not my ship. I'm tired of steering it. I'm going to let God steer it from this point forward. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I've lived a perfect life since then because anybody that's known me 20 minutes knows that that's not the case. But I will tell you that that's the moment I decided to let, that it was God's ship and it was his job to steer it. Here's what I want you to do. If you've got, if you got a pen and you get your bulletin, I want you to write down. If somebody would have said... Donna, what's your purpose? Write down three words that indicate your purpose. Write, just jot those down. Clint, what's your purpose? Jot it down. What's those, what's those three words? See, for me, I'd probably come up with something like pastor, husband, father. That's probably what I'd come up with. Maybe not necessarily in that order. I know that freaks some of you out, but... What are those three words? I want, I want you to look at them real quick. If you're jotting them down, maybe you're jotting them down in your head. I want you to focus on them. I'm going to tell you something. Those three words, they're not big enough. There ought to be words like world changer. Because I believe that's what God wants for you. I believe God wants your life to be significant and eternal and influential. You know, if, you, if you're on social media, everybody's an influencer. What? And they're paid for that. That's what I can't figure out. Where do you sign up for that gig? That's what I want to know. You know, Nike sends me tennis shoes. I wear them, take a picture, put it on TikTok, and hundreds of thousands of dollars. I want that gig. But I believe that's what God wants for you, to be a person of influence, a world changer. And I, I'm not just telling you that to try to get you hyped up. I genuinely believe that if there's anybody on this planet that ought to change this world or those that have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, if those who have a home in heaven, it ought to be you, it ought to be me that are changing this world and turning it toward Christ. It, that's, that's the kind of purpose I'm talking about, not what you, how you get your check. Man. See, purpose is not some lofty out there ideal. It's a daily offering daily God what would you have me be today how would you have me live my life 
today. I read this quote from Charles Finney, a Presbyterian pastor, a long, long time ago, said these words. Revival, you know, we, we like to talk about revival. Revival is a renewed conviction of sin and repentance, followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. It's giving up one's will to God in deep humility. You want revival in your life, in your family, in your church, in your community? How about it start with us as individuals when we say, God, I want you more than I want anything else. See, that's what a fast is all about, by the way. God, I want you more than I want these chicken wings. I really want some chicken wings. I, I want you more than I want. David said it this way. I, you satisfy me more than the best foods. The best way to walk in your purpose is to offer it to God. So we're going to be called according to his purpose. Number two, write this down. Take the limits off of your yes. <clears throat> See, we'll listen to God and as long as he doesn't ask us to do anything too radical. Right? We limit our yes. So I don't want you to raise your hand. I want you to virtually raise your hand. Just think about it or don't, don't really raise your hand. If God asks you to do any of these things, I want you to virtually, just not really, really raise your hand, but just inside your head, raise your hand. If God asks you to randomly be kind to a stranger, would you, would you do that? If God asks you to buy a stranger a, a bottle of water, would you, would you do that? God asks you to buy a stranger a meal at your favorite fast food restaurant, would, would you do it? If God asked you to buy a stranger a meal at the most expensive restaurant you've ever been to, would you do it? If God asked you to buy a stranger a car, would you do it? See, somewhere, the, uh, as I'm going down that list, somewhere the excuses started. Somewhere it was, well, I just don't know uh, uh, if I could buy somebody at that restaurant. That was a lot of money. And then I just probably couldn't do that. Car, I can buy somebody a car. I don't even have a great car myself. I don't have, right? We put a limit on our yes, don't we? <laughs> Let's try another one. You want to do another one? So virtually raise your hand if you would show up to church for a work day. Maybe you'd probably do that. So, What if we, God asked you to organize the work day? Maybe. I don't know. I'm just not all that good at organization. I don't know if I could do that or not. What if he said, I want you to organize and finance the work day at your local church? What if he said, I want you to organize and finance a work day at a church in a third world country? Where did... Where did the excuses start? I'm going to tell you that if you want a rich, full, abundant, eternal life, take the lid off of your yes. Do I have to make sense? I can't buy a stranger a car. Yes, you could. Yes, you could. Can I prove it to you? Let's, let's say a car, decent, three grand. Say you could buy a car for three grand, okay? Well, I don't have $3,000. Let me ask you a question. Let's say the person you love the most was going to die unless they got $3,000 worth of medicine and you had 90 days to raise it. And I want you to really raise your hand. How many of you would find a way to come up with $3,000? Of course you would. Can I tell you? You can do what you want to do. See, your job is not to figure out the how. It's to say yes to the what. There you go. You, somebody needs to write that down. Because I, I wish I'd have put that in the blank. Hmm. Here's what matters. Ecclesiastes 12 and 13. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Your job is to do what God tells you to do. Period. 
There's nothing you'll do today, nothing you'll do tomorrow, nothing you'll do any day for as long as you walk on this planet that is more important, more influential, more life-changing than saying yes to God, period. The Bible is full of men and women that said yes. Think about it. Moses, will you lead? What did he say? Now, he hemmed a halt a little bit, but eventually... He said, yes. Noah, will you build? He said, yes. Esther, will you risk your life to find favor with the king? Yes. In fact, she said, if I die, I die. Daniel, will you be faithful to the point of a lion's den? Yes. Disciples, will you forsake all and follow? How many disciples were there? I wonder how many Jesus called. But you have a record of the 12 that said yes. What are the names of the people that said no? No idea. Jesus, will you drink the cup of suffering and rescue humanity from sin and suffering? And Jesus said yes. No, by the way, that's the greatest Yes, the world's ever heard. And if he said yes, I can say yes. See, there's this, there's this idea in the New Testament, and, and it really appears very sporadically. The, the King James word is unction. And it really only appears twice, and it's in the book of 1 John. And some of your newer uh, translations call it anointing. But it's really a slightly different word than all of the times you see the word anointing in, in the New Testament. This word unction, John is telling his church, listen, the greatest teacher you'll ever have isn't me, and it's not another man. It's the Spirit of God that lives inside of you. The greatest teacher you'll ever have, the one that's going to lead you to life and light, lives inside of you and he's yanking on those cords and he's pushing those buttons and he's pulling those strings and and listen the more you chase him the more you'll recognize those those inner unctions that god's going to give you and can i tell you something else the more you say yes to the more you'll hear So the best way to walk in your purpose is to offer it to God. We want to take the limits off of our yes. And then the third fill-in for you is look for opportunities to walk in your purpose. <laughs> Ephesians 2 and 10, I love this passage. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So let's, let, let's just, for argument's sake, assume that there's three mandates in Scripture. There's three things that the Bible tells us to do. Now, how many know there's a bunch more than that? But for today, we're just going to talk about three, okay? What if the three mandates that we were going to focus our hearts on were be kind, be generous, represent Jesus well? What if our church woke up tomorrow and the three areas of purpose we decided we were going to walk in were those three? We're going to be kind. We're going to be generous. We're going to represent Jesus well. And, and you determined and I determined that that's what we were going to walk in. What if we lived our lives searching for opportunities to be kind to be generous, and to represent Jesus well. What if we left our homes every morning, not with just, how many of you have got a to-do list every day? How many, how many of you never finish your to-do list every day? All right? What, what if that was at the top of them? I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to represent Jesus well. See those opportunities? They come in a series of yeses. I, 
I cannot believe I am 55 years old. And some of you that are my age or older will agree with this statement. It just... But I need to share something with you, and I, I, don't, I want you to hear this from my heart. When I stand behind this desk, when I stand on this stage, when I look in that camera, when I speak in this microphone, now listen, I, I get it. I, I know I'm not the greatest preacher on the planet, but here's what I know. I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I know I'm fulfilling God's divine purpose for my life when I stand here and teach the Bible. I believe that with all my heart. It started when I was 17 years old at a church service at the Mableton Church of God, and I, I heard God's call in my head and in my heart. I called my then-girlfriend, Donna Henry, and said, I think I'm supposed to be a preacher. She said, okay. And I was like, what do you mean okay? This is crazy. So I, I took a little survey of my life of what, what it took to go from 17-year-old Dwayne to 55-year-old Dwayne standing behind this desk sharing with you what I believe is my God-given purpose in life. And I'm going to tell you it was a series of yeses. It started when Don and I were first married. And we had an opportunity to, Donna was already in a, in a gospel group. And they asked me, and I wasn't traveling every weekend with them at this point because there wasn't enough room on the bus. I was going sometimes, sometimes I wasn't, but at, at, at some point, uh, the leader of the group said, we'd like you to be a permanent part of this music ministry, and I said, yes. yes. Wow. So that led us on several occasions to a little church in Loganville, Georgia, where we always had tremendous services. People fed us well. It was a wonderful time. And when we left the group, another member of the group says, I've been going to that church in Loganville. Will you visit with me? And we said, yes. And that became our own church. One night at a meeting at that church, Pastor Doug Hendricks asked this question. Is there someone that would be willing to direct our Christian education ministries and, and organize our, our discipleship classes and our Sunday school? Is there someone that would be willing to do that? And I said, yes. Not too long after that, he said, I, I'm not feeling well tonight. It's a Sunday night. Would you speak? at church, and I said, yes. Hmm. Some point after that, our youth pastor left, and I had a passion in my heart for teenagers and young adults. And so I went to our pastor, and I said, Pastor, can I be the new youth pastor? And he said, A little while after that, our music pastor left. And he said, Dwayne, would you be willing to lead our music ministry for a few weeks until we find someone else? And I said, those few weeks were five years. During those five years, Pastor came to me and said, there's, there's a music conference in Cleveland, Tennessee called Music Explosion where you can get some resources and learn. Would you like to go? And I said, yes. While at that conference, I met the son of the pastor of the Statesboro Church of God. And for some reason, we both decided to skip the same class. We sat in a uh, in an narthex of a church and began to talk. And he found out I was also a youth pastor, not just a music pastor. And 
He said, do you think you would be interested in coming and interviewing at my dad's church? They have a vacant position for a full-time youth pastor in Statesboro, Georgia. Would you be interested in coming and interviewing? And I said, yes. Hmm. About four years into our journey at Statesboro, as I'm walking around the campus of our church, which was also the backyard of our house, I hear the unction of the Holy Spirit. Dwayne, would you go back to Loganville and plant a church? And I said, yes. About two years into that process, our, our little church got turned upside down. We lost our, our youth pastor and our children's pastor. Went and planted another church not too far. Several families left. And I was done. I said, this is too hard. And I heard the voice of the Lord. Will you stick it out? And I said, I'm going to tell you that if any one of those yeses would have been a no, I wouldn't be standing in front of you today. You want God to reveal his purpose? Walk in it and start saying yes. You want God to show you where you belong in the kingdom of God? Just start saying yes. Take the limit off your yes. See, you limit your yes with the, I don't have the ability, I don't have the education, and I don't have the resources. God didn't ask you for any of that. You know what he asked you for? A yes. Can I tell you? <laughs> there is nothing that I've ever been paid to do that I'm qualified to do. Nothing. My secular job, I hired and fired men with much greater education than I ever had. I'm going to tell you, that saying yes to God, saying yes, huh, man, you, don't, you have no idea the doors will open. In your life, in your family's life, things aren't working right in my family. Start saying yes. Take the lid off your yes. See, we, we have this uncanny ability to reason God's miraculous purpose out of our life because it doesn't make sense to us. Of course it doesn't make sense. It's not supposed to make sense. Hmm. Let's see who I can pick on here today. I, I wonder, I wonder... Y'all have heard the story, so I'm not going to retell it. I wonder if when Angie Banks and I were sitting on that back row, I wonder if the enemy had told her, you just need to give up on Clint Banks. But I, I, I bet that there was a, a, an unction that said, will you stick it out a little while longer? And you know what she said? Yes. I wonder if when he finally got sober and clean and fat, I wonder, uh, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, are you, are you qualified to lead a recovery ministry? No. Do you have any experience leading a recovery ministry? No. Will you lead a recovery ministry? Yes. And some of you are in this room today because they said There's four people over there. They're on this row because she said yes. <laughs> all right. In the midst of all this, here's your last fill in. Don't get distracted from your ultimate purpose. And listen, I don't care what you do for a living. I don't care 
where your interests lie. Jesus gave you your ultimate purpose when he said in Matthew 28, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Can I tell you why you're here? You're here to receive the light of Christ, the light of his written word, and then to shine it in a very, very dark world. That is why you have breath in your lungs. That is why God woke you up this morning. And everything else in your life and in my life should revolve around that central thought, I'm here to receive the light of Christ and then to shine it to a lost and dying world. That is your purpose. Period. And you'll find it when we learn to say yes. Donna, come and pray. Play. Or pray to. I don't know. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I'm, um, I'm, when I say bow your head and close your eyes, I really mean it this time. I know we always like to look around, but I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But I wonder if you're here. Before I ask you that question, let me, let me tell you this. I gave you a whole list of yeses that, that I said yes to. But I need you to, in the interest of transparency, I need to tell you that in the last 40 years, I've said no to a lot of things I should have said yes to and yes to a lot of things I should have said no to. And I bet I'm not alone. I bet if we were to take a poll with those that are here, those who are watching online, you could say, Dwayne, I've said no to some things I should have said yes to, and yes to some things I should have said no to. Here's the beautiful thing about the gospel of Christ. If any man's a new creation, all the old is passed away. So let's not, let's not worry about what's gone. I mean, no, you can't unring a bell. You can do something about today. So if you're in the room, and again, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, not going to ask you to do anything, really. Dwayne, there's, there's some stuff I'm supposed to be saying yes to. And I need to say yes. That, that might be that difficult co-worker that Christ has been calling you to minister to and to share the light of Christ with. Maybe it's them. It might be that next step in your walk with Christ. You, you, God's been calling you to go all in, and, and you, you've been kind of standing on, on the periphery. Jesus is unctioning you to dive headfirst all in. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's that ministry that God's calling you to that you felt like you weren't qualified for, that you felt like you weren't, that you didn't have the resources for. But what God's waiting on you is to say yes. So here's who I want to pray for today. I, I want to pray for those that maybe have been saying no, that it's time to say yes. And maybe you're here and you've been saying no to Jesus. He's been calling you to receive him as Lord and Savior. He's been calling you to open your heart to his purpose and plan for your life. To know him as pardon for your sin. I'd love you to say yes to him today. Ask him to forgive you of your sin. 
repent of your sin. The Bible says that when we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us, cleanse us. Maybe that's what you need to do today. You need to repent of your sin. Forgive me, God, of my sin. Turn from me. Maybe that's you today. So with nobody looking around, heads bowed, I want to pray for you today. Father, in Jesus' name, oh. Before anything else, God, I just want to, I just want to say yes. God, whatever you, whatever you want from Dwayne, yes. The answer is yes. So I want you to look at my life like a blank check. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I, I want to say yes. And God, forgive me for the times when I've said no when I should say yes. And forgive me for the times when I've said yes to things I should have said no to. So God, there are those in this room today, there are those watching online that are, they want to say yes. And God, I, I wish I could, I could see the incredible plan that you have for those that are willing to say yes. The ministries you might start, the businesses you might start, the relationships you might heal. And maybe you're just waiting on us to say yes. And so that's what I pray for today, God, that you would give many in this room and watching online the courage to not lean on their own understanding, but to look at our heavenly father who loves us gave himself for us and simply say yes I'll. yes gotta pray for the one that's struggling with the yes and I know what the thoughts are I've said yes before and it didn't work those series of yeses are not going to lead you exactly to where God wants you. Even though it might not look like it in the moment. So God, I just pray courage, wisdom to just say yes. Jesus, come on, stand to your feet. We're going to end this service. It's your breath in our lives. We're going to end this service in a moment of worship. Let me know that worship is just a perpetual yes. Yes, God, you're worthy. Yes, God, you're exalted. Yes, God, I love you. Yes, God, I adore you. How many know that worship is our perpetual yes? God, I'll follow you. I'll serve you. I'll live for you. Because it's your breath. Come on, lift your voice. It's your breath. In our lungs, so we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you. Come on, would you stretch your hands toward it? It's your breath.